Well, welcome back to another episode of the Digital Discussions Unfiltered podcast. Today I am sharing a conversation which I know I say this every time but has honestly been one of my favourites and it is with the lovely Joe from Mad and Sad Club and I just kind of felt like I needed to ask Joe to come on because she's so incredibly open and honest about mental health online and she's just doing some amazing work. She's got a previous background in corporates and so I felt like I could probably relate to some of the things that she's been through more so than others and I just love the work that she does now. I will definitely be working with her in the future. I felt like I got a little bit of a telling off both during the podcast and after as well but we touch on things like everything to do with her journey, how mad and sad club started, what she's up to now, the types of people that she works with and just all of it really, how she kind of overcomes challenges. You know, I I didn't want to trigger her at all, but I kind of tried to ask some relatively difficult questions, I guess, because I think it's really important that we start opening up and being honest about this stuff online. And Joe is at the forefront of that movement for sure. So, as per usual, I'm going to shut up and let you listen to the conversation. If you do give this a listen, then make sure you share it on socials. Tag me, I'm at Lorna Scully UK, and feel free to tag Joe as well. I'm sure she would absolutely love to hear any feedback that you've got. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Joe from Mad and Sad Club. Okay, hello lovely Joe. how are you? Hi, I'm alright. I'm about to move from London to Edinburgh, so kind of surrounded by crap and a little bit strung out, but other than that, I'm great. <laughs> I honestly cannot believe you're making that move, it just feels bonkers. It does feel bonkers, and we only decided to do it in December, so it does feel <laughs> bonkers, but at the same time it feels like really exciting and something that I've wanted to do for years, so it feels right. Super duper exciting. So before we jump into our conversation, I like to challenge all of my guests to describe themselves and give us a bit of an insight as to who they are as a person rather than as a business in 30 seconds or less. And if you go over the 30 seconds, all that I ask is that you make a small donation of £5 to the charity Mind. Do you think you can describe yourself in 30 seconds, Joe? Yeah, I do. But I have no concept of time. So God knows how long it'll be. <laughs> I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> like a challenge. Yeah. Fabulous. I've got my stopwatch ready. Okay, so are cool. you ready? Yeah. Go. Um, I'm Joe. I'm a very small human in height. I'm five foot nothing. Um, I'm very loud. I like to laugh a lot. I'm obsessed with my cat Gibson. I am a lockdown cliche. I learned how to make sourdough last year and it's amazing. I had two breakdowns in 18 months and now I like talk about that for my job that? <laughs> amazing that was 21 seconds oh I, I still i'll still donate to mine though you know bless you <laughs> very much that's amazing that was such a good intro actually really oh i love this i love like when you make internet friends i always think like i wonder how tall you are <laughs> <laughs> like vix meldrew in my head She's really tall, but actually, she isn't that much taller than me. 
Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, I met her last year, right at the beginning of the year at an event. And um, in my head, I don't think I said it to her, I really hope I didn't. But in my head, I was like, oh, you're a lot shorter than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hi, Vix, if you're listening, hi. I doubt you do. But... <laughs> I might let her know that I talk about her height on, <laughs> on this podcast. It's so interesting, though, because when you do kind of meet friends and talk to people on the internet, or whether it's Instagram or anywhere else, you kind of make a like an assumption about them whether it's their height or anything else but yeah you're right I didn't I didn't I wouldn't have said you would you would have been the same height as me really oh that's interesting yeah I yeah I'm very small small human tiny person um do you you find that it it challenges you sometimes um I think top shelf kind of challenges oh that (laughs) I was about to say early in my career like I got told that I should wear like um jackets with shoulder pads and I should sit differently so that I looked older but actually as I've gone through my career I really like that people have low or different expectations of me not so much now that I work for myself but when I worked in corporate like people would think also because like I'm I like to laugh and I like to talk and I'm quite kind of you know like people would have a certain expectation of me and I would like to think that I um like surprise them and I like that but yeah I also yeah obviously can't reach anything like <laughs> <a pop shelf. laughs> I can't believe you were told to wear jackets with shoulder yeah. pads well yeah. in PR in like the mid noughties that was yeah. clearly vaguely acceptable but mm-hmm. yeah no I um I gave up on that I did go through a period of wearing heels a lot um but then I also gave up on that and now I just wear I'm literally in my pajamas so I was I'm all right about it. And my sister. <laughs> I mean, you're lucky I'm not in bed. Some of my, some of my like clients and group like people get me in bed quite a lot. So <laughs> I think that's a topic for a whole different show. <laughs> Do some of my best work when I'm in bed. <laughs> Love it. So thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast I really wanted to get you on because I absolutely love everything that you do and I think it just kind of it relates in such a personal way and I think because I read your post with a corporate background and you're like Mm. yeah I used to work in corporate and like I think the first time I ever came across you it was because you were like in a corporate world this happens and I'm here to tell you this is not acceptable and I was like (laughs) yes my girl yeah my people so I guess my first question is, what what's the story behind Mad and Sad Club? What how did it kind of come to be? Um, so Mad and Sad Club is the the phrase is a phrase that some other mad friends and I used to ping at each other on WhatsApp when we were having like really bad anxiety or depression days. We'd be like, you know, just had a cry in the toilet. Hashtag Mad and Sad Club, um, and it would be like a way to make light of our depression I guess um but so like that was always going to be the name of my business but I never I, I never ever thought or wanted to work for myself um I think one of my like big anxieties was always you know where's the money going to come from and that is still an anxiety you know I think that never goes away when you work for yourself um but yeah I worked for 11 years in communications and then I think the whole time I had like latent mental health issues and then in 2017 2017 to 2018 I ended up having two breakdowns in 18 months and the second time got signed off work for three months and 
you know, just had to like rebuild my life in a way that allowed me to like manage my mental health and Mm. just realized that I couldn't make, I couldn't make the corporate job I was in work for my mind and kind of happily (laughs) got, well, took redundancy at the start of 2019. The company was going through like a massive change and I just said to them, you know what, I can't, I can't go through this again. And um, yeah. you know, the writing's on the wall for my team, so just make me redundant, please. Um, and then, literally, like the next working day, started <laughs> started Mad Sad Club. Um, so the the idea kind of came to me because going back into work after taking a lot of time off after a mental health crisis, I realized like companies just do not know what to do with you. And they don't get, because a lot of people haven't had mental health issues. They don't know what can be triggering and what can be a stressor and what can make it difficult to come back into the workplace. And so initially I started working with corporates to help them understand that and using the benefit of lived experience to help them support their people. Um, And then I realized that actually I could have kind of a broad impact that way with like lots of people in one organization, but I wanted to have kind of a deeper impact and work with individuals like me who decided to work for themselves and were maybe also managing a mental health issue alongside that. Um, And kind of, I knew that I wanted to make that shift and then Corona happened. And so it kind of, uh, it forced me to make that shift in that none of my, all of my corporate work stopped um and so I needed to you know find another way to make money and keep my head above water but equally I'd already started kind of making that shift so basically last year I I kind of started to work totally with like one-to-one or in groups with people who are self-employed and trying to manage their mental health alongside it um so yeah that's me amazing and I think I've literally written so many notes <laughs> so prepare yourself for the question um I think my first kind of question is firstly actually the shock of the fact that you lost the majority of your corporate world as mm. corona hit is quite shocking because all of us if you think and I try I try so hard to think quite logically but if you think about people that are so used to commuting to a job sitting in an office around a whole bunch of people have been forced to change that they're the people that need the support right now and yet you're you kind of lost your corporate work that that kind of feels backwards to me so around obviously when corona hit I had corporate work booked in but the majority of my corporate work all of it was done face to face um and so it that all got cancelled and then kind of corporate stuff went quiet and I stopped kind of promoting myself to corporates because it just felt too hard and you know it didn't fit anymore it didn't fit and it also I find working with corporates much more stressful than working Mm -hmm. with humans um so (laughs) (laughs) I just stopped looking for corporate work however in saying that corporates have started or had started to kind of approach me sort of autumn time last year so I have done some corporate work but I know that that's not where I want the majority of my time and effort and energy to be so now I do like a little bit of corporate work um 
um mostly work with humans um but yeah it was a bit of a like like any of us who are self-employed you know like watching Rishi come on the news every other day and being like oh no that doesn't apply to me that doesn't apply to me that doesn't apply to me so yeah I I was watching good old Rishi come on the news and because I didn't have 1819 accounts because I only went self-employed in 2019 and because I didn't have a premises and because I didn't have staff and because I was a director of a limited company and not a um a sole trader like I fell through the gaps of all of the support and seeing that and you know knowing that I had no guaranteed income was pretty stressful but you know it's all worked out fine yeah it's one of those things isn't it where it kind of you kind of look at it and you go yeah keep talking keep yeah. going <laughs> when do you get to me Richie? <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna need something hun. Yeah. come on now I was exactly the same I fell straight through the gaps and I think I think at that point it very much it's so hard isn't it to try and put on miss positive pants but oh yeah I was part of so many kind of communities where like in Facebook groups people were losing their crap yeah and just slating people and I think corona for me has brought out the very worst or the very best in people and Mm. in those kinds of groups I was like look he's done something and actually I'm one of those people that's fallen through the cracks but he can't you can't please everybody and I think that's just a fact of life unfortunately and I actually got a really horrible comment off the back of that saying, well, you're all right because you're rich. And I was like, no, <laughs> do you even know me? Because yeah. I'm far from rich. Creepers, but, creepers. Yeah, it's, I think it was at that point where I was just like, I'm just done. Like, I yeah. just need some time to myself. Yeah, like, you know, the the world was and is still very noisy. And mm-hmm. like, that's one of the things that... um has always been a coping mechanism of mine to kind of reduce stresses um yeah but has been more of an important coping mechanism over the last year than ever before in that I just stopped watching the news I don't listen yeah. to radio stations that have the news cut in I um delete all the apps I don't have app suggestions on my phone I don't have website suggestions coming up on Safari or Chrome like I I try and kind of shut myself off from that noise wherever I can um and the only way that I kind of that I try to consume news now is through an account called simple politics on Instagram and yeah so they basically do like one tile after every briefing or announcement that says the the pure facts um and And they make it so simple to understand yeah exactly when they can (laughs) yeah, yeah they do they make it really simple there's no kind of debate excuse me there's no opinion it's just the the bare facts and that's kind of that's I I do fall into as we all do you know like self-sabotage sometimes by going on BBC news or by putting the radio on but I really try not to yeah and that's so important and I think one of the other questions that I wrote down was you mentioned that when you started kind of helping corporates um, and I assume I should. I, you should never assume. I, know this, but <laughs> I assume this kind of carries on to when you work with, as you like to put it, humans. <laughs> um, you obviously work from personal experience. Has that? Do you find that challenging? Because I can almost kind of sense that. I feel like we've all kind of we all have lows and we all have highs. And the reason I went self-employed, I never was intended to be self-employed at all. And it was because I was struggling with my mental health mm. and I was driving to work crying, driving home crying, going to lunch crying, 
and I was just like, life's just too short for this crap. So mm. I'm done. See you later. But I don't think I would then be able to go, not necessarily back to that, but back to that environment to mm. teach people what's right and what's wrong and what's triggering and what isn't. So is that quite challenging to kind of teach somebody, to educate somebody from your personal experiences? Um, I... It's not as long as I'm working with the right people. Like if I work and I've only it's only happened once if I work with an organization who just don't care or don't get it, then yes, it is. It can be triggering. Um, But all of the organizations I work with are well-meaning and they do care. They just don't know. They care, but they don't know. And my bit is to is to help them understand and they're very open to and grateful for that um I don't find it triggering talking like talking about my mental health openly unless kind of in doing so I find out or uncover something new about my mental health I hadn't figured out before that can be like that triggers of introspection and kind of self-analysis um but yeah I don't find it triggering talking about and using and sharing my kind of mental health experiences because I don't know why (laughs) I think I think because people are really receptive and open and the people who aren't like you know I've never had like people leaving horrible comments on stuff that I do um and if I did I'd just be like jeepers creepers like what the (laughs) hell is wrong with you um and I wonder if also it comes back to that like I like to surprise kind of thing you know like people I think people don't often or don't expect to hear the sort of level of honesty about mental health that I I you know provide um and in a way part of me likes to likes to share that because it can be surprising and it can kind of you know also whenever I share anything so many people have had similar or the same experiences so it's just it's not like I'm talking about something shameful although you know society in some ways still sees mental health issues as reason to feel shame um but that's what perpetuates silence so by staying silent you just stay iller for longer um and I've realize that now and I'm really happy to be really open about it yeah it's just I think it's just that it's that taboo subject isn't it Mm. and I think I think the more when I was personally going through it I've my parents are a little bit older than say people my age if that makes Mm. sense my mum had me quite late so there's quite a big generational thing Mm. and to her she although you know I love my mum dearly obviously she's my mother (laughs) um but she was brought up in a you kind of suck it up and you get on with it Mm. and that that's just how they kind of that generation is you know she's almost 70 years old and that's just kind of how she was raised Mm. so it was quite difficult to be in a household with people that just kind of didn't really get it um but yeah I think you talking about it you kind of if nothing else you just you're just helping people and I would actually probably again shouldn't assume but I would assume that you would never kind of get to a point where you're doing work for whether it's corporates or a single human being that you wouldn't be working for them if they didn't have a level of respect or want 
to work with you in the first place. Yeah. And like, you know, now the position I'm in, as in like, I don't really go out looking for corporate work. So the mm. the corporate work that I do is people who've come to me and often that's because they know someone who's worked with me or they know of me from like, you know, my past um, career. Um, and so, yeah, people who kind of come to me in corporate world you know want want to do better and want to help their people especially right now um and I think you know why would you want to work with me if you're a a self-employed person if you like don't believe that mental health is an issue like I'd never shut up about it so so I'm not going to be right for you if you think that depression is pretend (laughs) yeah it's kind of a level of understanding before you even get to the work and just like resonance you know like I'm not going to be right for everyone by any stretch and not everyone needs what I've got to offer um but the people that you know do resonate with what I do and what I say then maybe I am right for and we can have a chat yeah and so I guess that I kind of that question kind of came from have you found that challenging and if that doesn't kind of trigger you know certain things what what have what would you say have been the biggest challenges since you've become because you're it's still relatively a new business I know yeah, it's yeah. Kind of beginning of 2021 but you're still kind of less than two years so what in your first kind of two years what have been the biggest challenges for you in terms of running the business it only twigged today that the business is nearly two years old so I I <laughs> like registered with Companies House on the 30th of March 2019 um so yeah nearly two years old which is crazy um I think always for me it comes down to me it's my mind that's the biggest challenge um yeah. I like my core belief about myself is that I'm a failure so any anything that doesn't go quite right or anything that any new thing my brain you know uses it as an opportunity to tell me that this is just more confirmation that I'm a failure um so yeah I think there's it's not like there's not been kind of a incident or anything like that it's always just me and my brain that is the hardest challenge or hardest thing to grapple with um and like anyone with anxiety knows like that can paralyze you and yeah that it like in running the business and I think lots of people say this you know like running your own business is like being in constant therapy it's like running running the business is also you know part of my I, I need to learn how to or I constantly am learning how to manage my mental health and part of that is learning how to manage my mental health while running a business yeah um so yeah my stupid old brain that's the biggest problem I think so many of us could relate. I can certainly relate to that. It literally feels there are some days when I talk to my friends that aren't self-employed, and that is a challenge in itself because <laughs> they just don't get it. I'm like, on a Monday it might be how was your day? Yeah, it was like a roller coaster, and then on like a Wednesday it might be like how was your day? And I'd be like, um, maybe today was a bit more like a pinball machine. <laughs> <laughs> And they're just like, I just don't know how you, like, why would you want to do that to yourself? And I'm like, because I can't go back. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, God I can't no. do the other thing. No, God, no. I could never, ever work for someone else again now, which is crazy. Like, I never, never wanted to work for myself. But yeah. now I don't want to work for anyone else. Like, why would I do that to myself? 
why would yeah. I why would I go in at nine o'clock in the morning and have one hour for lunch and leave at five why would I put up with your shit why would I do things <laughs> that I don't agree with or don't want to do why why should I listen to you I don't want to so I'm just gonna listen to myself thanks <laughs> okay thanks bye <laughs> I, th- I do think though like I was it, it was like serendipity that you know I got to take redundancy because I don't know how I would have made that transition if I hadn't um, and I think people who go from you know working for someone else setting up their thing as a side hustle and then taking it full-time are just superheroes because I think that yeah I, d- I, I don't know that I would have had the the balls to do it like that you know it's just I think it's I think it's a strength thing like for me I don't I feel like I'm constantly my brain is constantly on yeah when I when my hand hits the pillow my brain goes have you done this have you done that have you thought about this did you post that did you tell that person that did you email (laughs) this person this and I'm like Jesus Christ give me a break (laughs) but like I don't understand how people do that and then get up and go and do a nine till five job as well. Yeah. And I think for me, because the industry I was in before, it wasn't really nine to five. It was like yeah. eight till six. Or if you're a frigging anxiety lunatic like me, it's like seven till seven. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but, you know, I just I couldn't have done that anyway because of my mental health. Like I just could not I could not make that world work for my brain. Um, and yes, it's you know, when you work for yourself, it's hard. And sometimes I think even harder because you are the one criticizing yourself and you are always your harshest critic. Um, it's, it can be harder to manage your mental health when you work for yourself, but I would rather this stress than that. Yeah. I think it's, it's level of control, isn't it? And I think I spoke to the lovely Fiona Thomas before Christmas. She's great. I love Fiona. I love Fiona. And she mentioned something when we were chatting about when she was doing the research for her book that everybody kind of said what they wanted was the freedom of self-employment. But actually, when they found that they had it, they kind of didn't know what to do with it. With it, yeah. Like, yeah. am I supposed to work nine till five? Or And we're kind of almost kind of pigeonholed into mm. this. You should work between these hours and you should have a lunch break here. And, and that's why I think I, I struggle when I talk to my friends who aren't self-employed. Because I might be working at 10 o'clock at night and they're like, Lorna, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I haven't worked all day and I'm working now because I want to work now. Yeah, it's so I'm working on this course at the moment that I think I'm going to bring out in March called Be Free From Corporate Conditioning. And it's exactly that, that a lot of us go self-employed to give ourselves freedom, but then we stop ourselves from having the freedom because we continue to work in ways that society tells us we should. Um, And it's just so ingrained into us that work is hard 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 work gets you somewhere and that you know work isn't easy and that we should be working five days a week nine hours a day or however many hours it is and that this is what the weekend is for and this is what the week is for and you know early bird catches a worm all of this stuff is just so deeply ingrained in us because that's what we see and hear and experience and are taught about what work is and it it can be really hard when you get that freedom to actually use it and utilize it and 
live and work in the way you want to because you it's such an expansive idea to go from the parameters of understanding what work is to say to yourself I get to redefine what work is when I work how I work how I plan what I charge how I base that like what I base that pricing on it's so expansive that it's hard for us to like break that down into day-to-day yeah do you think you do you find that you come across very kind of similar patterns so like everything you've just said there when you work one-to-one with people do you find that you come across really kind of similar things like kind of societal conditioning and all that kind of stuff um it's a really good question I think I think because excuse me because of like you know people that I work with generally have experienced mental health stuff so often anxiety and depression or perhaps eating disorders or PTSD or anything really Um, and often people who have those experiences um, have similar kind of there are similarities of thought pattern and those thought patterns translate into behavior and often you know those are things like I'm not good enough or I'm a failure they're often things like you know I have to be in control and those thought patterns can lead to similar behaviors but I think I I think everyone I work with is really different but there are definitely similarities in you know the the things and the issues that come up for people and not just people that I work with people that like I talk to online um Mm. and I really like to share some of those things because it reminds people that it's not just them that feels that way like I was um talking on Instagram the other day I was analyzing some results from a survey that I did for a corporate and 150 people answered the survey and the vast majority of them said when we asked them if they felt their mental health had been affected in the last six months by what's been going on the vast majority of people said yes used words like anxiety stress depression low mood difficulty sleeping all of those things were really prevalent so I kind of wanted to say to people you know if you're feeling any of those things you're not alone at least 150 other people feel the same (laughs) as you if not millions um and I think sharing those similarities kind of in an open place like Instagram not just with people who you know who work with me just helps to make people realize that you know this stuff is really common yeah and it is so true because I think again my conversation with Fiona what I when I received her book so when I bought her book I was in a really low kind of I couldn't be bothered to get out of bed I didn't want to work and I just couldn't I was just really like and I messaged Fiona on Instagram because I devoured her book in like a day and a half and she was like I just I was so worried that you had read the entire book and then felt like a bit of a failure and I was like no it was so nice because actually I was reading it going it's not just me Mm. like this is I'm where I need to be right now I'm in bed I'm stuffing my face with Ben and Jerry's and I'm (laughs) it. And it was just like, it sounds really silly, but when you kind of, it's almost like an external validation. Because yeah, you kind yeah. of go, well, I feel like crap. Maybe, am I being silly? Like, yeah. am I being daft? And then you read it in a book, like a published book. And you're like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not the only person. This is okay. Yeah, I really felt like that. Like, after I had my breakdown where I got signed off work I just felt like my brain did not work anymore literally like a switch had been flicked and my brain didn't work anymore like I'd gone from being a very high functioning like 
professional person who managed a team of 12, had a lot of responsibility, had big budgets, you know, to being someone who couldn't like have a conversation or brush my teeth without feeling like I was going to vomit or get on the tube. Like I felt like my brain had just broken. And when I, when I went to see the doctor and when I went to therapy, like the realization that, that there is a, there is something wrong with you. You're just ill. You're unwell. Like that was really comforting in a way. And often like with people I work with, you know, just reminding them that like, these are symptoms of anxiety. That is an illness. You're just, you're just not very well today. It's like you you have a, uh, you have the flu and today is a bad day for it. Or I like generally liken like ongoing mental health issues. It is the same sort of thing as a chronic illness and you have flare ups and you have days where you're feeling really unwell and you have days where you feel fine um, or as close to fine as you can. And yeah, it's just, just a bit poorly. Yeah, I think it's just because it's that kind of, you can see it, you can't see it. Mm. There's a lot of people try and, you know, if it was a broken leg, you'd go get it fixed, wouldn't you? You'd go Mm. get some help. And it's just that, it's that mentality. Yeah, I, I, the, the whole like, you know, mental health is just as important as physical health kind of annoys me in a way because your brain is a part of your body. It is physical health it's your physicality and even like with the the stuff you can't see you know like you can't see diabetes yeah you can't see you can only see epilepsy sometimes and yet that's very serious yeah that's a much more acceptable um illness to have whereas if it's something to do with your brain and that's what anxiety and depression are it's an imbalance in brain chemistry um if it's something to do with your brain then it's it's oh it's a bit oh it's a bit shameful it's not something we should really talk about oh I don't want to ask any probing questions or you know whereas if you had broken your leg you'd be like oh how long have you got your cast on for and yeah I'm I I I haven't like found a place that feels comfortable but the 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 physical mental health thing I do find like a difficult conversation although I do use that analogy a lot when I'm working with corporates like if you know I'm talking to them about giving people discretionary time off for their mental health and they're like oh I don't know I would say to them okay well what would you say to someone who'd had an epileptic fit at work yeah would you would you quibble about giving them time off or um you know something similar and I bet it's like a it's a resounding like oh my god yeah of course they could have time off exactly exactly because it's something that they can relate to a bit more easily I guess or that that doesn't have the shame attached to mental health yeah and I guess I'm just really conscious of time but sorry I, have you got any kind of, no that's all right I could we could chat all day Joe, if you really want. <laughs> <laughs> um have you kind of got any tips about you know obviously kind of the the space that you're moving into with kind of working with individuals predominantly kind of self-employed people like me <laughs> hello hi <laughs> me. um have you kind of got any really i guess generalized kind of tips in terms of managing it because i think you know you've done quite a bit of work that i saw on socials around boundaries and things like that which Jesus Christ, it is not my forte at all. Let's put it that way. I'm pl- I'm planning a new boundaries thing actually, so I'll I'll ask you Coming your thoughts in. on that. Yeah, I think I'll be there. Um, 
<laughs> I'm I'm just the person that always struggles to say no. Mm. Like, Lorna, can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, mm. I really don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. You know, like, I guess, yeah, I know what you mean. I think, so my first thing that I try and, like, get people to think about when we work together is, like, what are your, consider your the things that support your mental health as your basic needs. So if you, Lorna, want to work between 5 and 10 p.m. at night and you don't want to work in the day, then that's one of your basic needs. And if someone wants to have a call with you at 10 in the morning, no, 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 because that would not allow you to give yourself your basic needs. So think about what it is that helps you to like stay in the place you want to stay in with your mental health and count those things as your basic needs and then whenever you're considering what you do in your business so whenever you're considering a new offer or a service or a new client ask yourself does working with that client is that going to allow me my basic needs or is it going to infringe on them does doing this new coaching offer does that allow me my basic needs or does it infringe on them does you know, working with side hustlers, does that allow me my basic needs or does it infringe on them? And use it as kind of like a yardstick to consider and make a decision about anything in your business. And reminding yourself that work doesn't have to be hard and it is not shameful to make work easy. Mm. It's not shameful to make money from something that you find easy. If you like you know, if you make candles and you make one a minute, don't think that they're not valuable because I can't make a freaking candle. I don't yeah. pay for that candle. Thank you very much. Yes. And, you know, I work with someone in my business called Ali. She's amazing at all the things I'm shit at. That doesn't make her, it, that doesn't mean that her work is less valuable to me because it comes easily to her. It makes it, inc- it makes it much more valuable to me because I don't, I wouldn't want to work with someone who found that stuff hard because I would feel bad about it. But I want to work with her because she's great at those things. So don't make your work harder than it needs to be or harder than you want it to be because you feel that it's noble to make work hard and shameful to make it easy. Goodness me, I feel seen. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it just doesn't have to be that way. Like when you work for yourself, why the bloody Nora would you want to make it hard and feel like you're wading through treacle I think often like we do get to a point in our businesses where you're like Jesus Christ this is like pushing a boulder uphill and that tells me that something is off like yeah what is it that you're doing or what is it that is making it feel that way how do you want it to feel you want it to feel light and easy or or fulfilling or why does this not feel fulfilling well maybe you're working with some of the wrong clients or this offer where you have to have calls every evening five days a week that just makes you knackered why are we doing that and you know everyone says you know your clients needs comes first put your clients needs first I totally disagree your needs come first yeah I'd have to agree with you actually if you build a business based on what you think your client needs then you are only ever going to be taken away from what you need like it has to start with you because then you're in the best position to give people what they need and people want what you've got in whatever way you want to give it to them and if they don't want it in that way then they're not your people and that's fine because they're going to find someone who is right for them who does want to work at the weekends or who does want to you know do things in a way that you don't want to and that's fine because that person is out there for them and like we said earlier on you can't please everybody can you no otherwise you'd be bloody run off your feet 
<laughs> you be knackered. I don't want to be run off my feet. <laughs> I want to work part time. I love that you kind of mentioned there about um, when you kind of you you work with somebody that you that is great at all the things that you're not great at, and I think that that kind of takes a certain level of self awareness, which I have been massively trying to work on for the last couple of years because I think it's it's one thing to kind of think you know who you are Mm. but to actually genuinely know what makes you tick what you love what you hate what you're good at what you're not so good at and actually be open and honest about it and then kind of say well actually I need a little bit of help in this area Mm. not you it's so surprising how many people don't do that I think again often when it when it's people like us who've experienced mental health issues we tell ourselves that we have to be good at everything that we have to do everything that we need to control everything that we need to have our eyes on everything that we need to be a well-rounded professional and that's just balls isn't it like (laughs) you're allowed to swear don't worry (laughs) you're great at writing you're terrible at numbers so let's send you on a numbers course no I don't want to go on a fucking numbers course I'll continue (laughs) to be terrible at numbers thank you and I'll stick to the words that I'm good at um and but we (laughs) we tell ourselves that we need to do all this stuff and we tell ourselves that you know we can't afford to get someone in to help us and we tell ourselves that we don't have the time to train someone you know some of those things might sometimes be true but we don't have to run our businesses in a way that we don't like like why why do we think we need to do that it's just punishing ourselves and if there's stuff in your business that you don't like doing ask yourself if it's necessary or if you can change it and if it is necessary ask yourself if you want to continue doing it and like who else can do it for you so true I think it's just it's always going to come back to that kind of conditioning isn't it yeah what we're taught what we see what we've seen what we've grown up around like I I wholeheartedly and again love them very much but a lot of people say to me Dawn you're a workaholic and I swear to god it's purely because I grew up with both of my parents were constantly working Mm. yeah and I don't like I've got all the love in the world for them they provided I've had the best upbringing like I'm in such a privileged position and I don't I don't discredit that at all Mm. but genuinely I like you saying like I think we're, we're we're raised to kind of think that work has to be hard and that we have to hustle all the time and I've very much fallen into that trap yeah. and I I I I feel like anyone who know who works with me knows that I like to ask difficult questions but whenever you kind of say that like you know I feel like I need to be working all the time I want to ask why yeah. and then when you give that next answer why why, why yeah. do you believe that why do you believe that that is necessary yes yeah. it's been modeled to you but why do you continue to do it and often it kind of comes down to a foundational or core belief and often that's kind of something about ourselves and yeah. that's what we need to start tackling because that's the root of those behaviors that continue like this cycle that you don't enjoy or that doesn't that makes you unwell or that leaves you in this kind of boom and bust cycle of working. Um, So yeah, it's like digging, picking away at those behaviors or those beliefs to be like, why, what the hell is underneath there that makes me do these things? Um, It's constant work, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, There's there's no way around it, people. (laughs) (laughs) No, there is. And the one, one like kind of neurobiological thing that, 
I find massively reassuring. And when I found out about it, when I was in like mental health crisis, this got me through is the concept of neuroplasticity. And it's the idea that you can grow new muscle memory in your brain. So my thought that I'm a failure, your thought that I that you need to work hard, that you need to work all the time, that's me plucking a thought out of your head, might not be true. <laughs> but those, those thoughts are, um, they're well-trodden pathways in your brain. You don't need to consciously churn up that thought. It just comes up without you even realising that you've considered or thought about it. And those are neural pathways memories um ways of thinking that your has been kind of ingrained in your brain for your whole life or the majority of your life for a really long time and what you can do is through this process of neuroplasticity which is noticing those thoughts that's why we pick down underneath what is causing that and it's it's this foundational core belief and when that core belief comes up you're a failure you notice it i notice it and i rationalize with myself no, just because I've put the wrong email, email header on that thing, or just because that course didn't sell right and I need to run it at another time or change it, that doesn't mean I'm a failure. It means that I didn't quite get it right and I need to work on it or I need to learn from it or I just need to put it to one side and eat a bar of chocolate. Like, <laughs> And in that way, you start to grow new muscle memory in your brain. You start to grow new neural pathways, which is a tongue twister. Um, and in time, your brain does that rationalizing for you. And in time, it moves away from that well-trodden pathway and it goes down the new one. And that made me think, okay, there's not loads of work to do. There's just this work on this one thing. This is my core belief about myself. And this is the thing I need to work on because once I start moving away from that and my brain starts going down a different neural pathway then all of my thoughts and all of my behaviors will start to shift and to be more positive and to be not be colored by this core belief that I'm a failure that's so lovely and I think I've read that in a book somewhere but I yeah can't, um can't if, the name of the book if you're interested in it sane new world by ruby wax is it was the first place that I kind of heard about this. She, I know, she, I know, you would be amazed to think about reading a book about neurobiology <laughs> from Ruby Wax, but no, she um, she talks about this a lot. But she went through huge mental health trauma and then went to learn about psychology and cognitive based mindfulness therapy. And she that I listened to that book because I was too ill to read. And that's how I learned initially about neuroplasticity. And that kind of gave me the spark of hope that like there wasn't these 15 million trillion thoughts and ways of being and ways of thinking that I needed to change. It was just this one underlying thought and that would help to change everything else. Amazing. Thanks for the recommendation. I might go off and buy that. Go for it. So one last question, because I'm conscious. I don't want to take up all your time. <laughs> what does success look like to you, Joe? Oh, I don't know, pal. I really don't. Like, I don't really, I don't really have this like shiny five, 10 year. I mean, I don't have any goals at the moment because it's the start of 2021. <laughs> I'm literally just staggering from one moment to the next. But yeah, I don't really have a kind of like, you know, end goal. I think the only reason, so I like to ask this question because I think success is so subjective. Mm. And I think with the range of kind of guests that I try and get on um I think a lot of people can look at other people on Instagram and go well they're really successful and I'm like oh, yeah, yeah but they might not be in their eyes and so to me success is just 
waking up being happy and doing something that I love and Mm. helping clients have light bulb moments it's not monetary it's not I live somewhere specific Mm. it's not any of those things but it's always nice to kind of hear from other people but what you're saying is totally relatable (laughs) I mean before we press record I was like so how how are things and you're like yep just taking everything half an hour at a time (laughs) that's my way of coping at the moment no I think I think to be honest it's just I just want to be happy and you know I know that I spent a lot of years doing things living in a way that made me wildly unhappy and I know that sounds really trite I just want to be happy like I do I want to I want to be able to work part-time I want to be able to live comfortably and not you know feel worried about how you're going to pay for a holiday next year or whatever and I've kind of come to realize that I want and need a lot of time on my own and a lot of time outdoors and I think a kind of, uh, but yeah, I don't have any, you know, I don't want to, you know, turn over. I think that sounds like far too much hard work. Um, (laughs) But also on your point about, you know, seeing people on Instagram and thinking they're really successful. My thing that always, like I want to say to people is it always looks better on the outside than it feels on the inside. Yes. Always. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think just, you know, happily doing a job that I built for myself feeling kind of proud of that and enjoying what I do both work-wise and outside of work and you know the things I enjoy very dull like reading and walking and paddle boarding and puzzling (laughs) and making sourdough and petting my cat (laughs) (laughs) paddle boarding didn't have you down as a paddle well no you say that neither would I I mean (laughs) I would never have I've never really been an outdoorsy kind of gal when I was a baby my mum said that I would cry when she tried to put me down on the grass but (laughs) I've really got into like being in like wild swimming not so much swimming or wild paddling I don't I'm not a very strong swimmer I've really got into outdoorsiness in the last few years and yeah I feel like times are changing for me I want to I want to get love on it boarding. love it I do find that if I'm feeling relatively low I think going outside my thing is running water so like oh being yeah natural running water yeah, yeah. Jesus, there's nothing better I think that's another so I'm moving to Edinburgh in like four days and that was a big driver for me it's like we live in South London at the moment over the last year obviously we've all spent a large proportion of our time at home and I just feel like I can see people and buildings everywhere and I can't get away like I can't to be able to yeah. get to open countryside I'd have to like get a train and obviously I don't want to do that right now and you can't where I live at the moment whereas where I'm moving in in Edinburgh we could walk for 10 minutes and be at Arthur's Seat or the Crags or um, walk along the Water of Leith and I cannot tell you how much uh, how excited I am about just like taking a little thermos and my book and going for a little walk over Arthur's Seat I can't frigging wait I mean it's snowing there at the moment so give me a few months (laughs) (laughs) I can hear the excitement in your voice I'm so excited for you Edinburgh is so lovely Honestly, I it's so weird. Like, I can't quite believe this happening. I really can't because we viewed the flat on a video call with our friend and we haven't packed anything because we've got movers doing all the packing for us. So there's like no build up. It's just happening on Tuesday and it's Thursday today. It feels crazy. 
You're going to just wake up and be in Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. I, and obviously, also, because my boyfriend is from Edinburgh and we go to Edinburgh a lot normally, like, I think until we're in the flat with all of our stuff around us, it's just going to feel like another trip to Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, Sorry, this is probably like wildly unusable chat. <laughs> Feel free to edit I'm all right about out. it. I'm right about it. I'm sure everybody's <laughs> nosy as I am. Yeah, I'm. I am also like in such a like. I mean, it, it hurts me to think this and say it, but I'm excited about you know new locations for Instagram pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's admitted it. I have. You know, honesty is one of my core values. So I'm happy to admit that I'm excited to take some Instagram photos. (laughs) Thinking about the gram. Always doing it for the gram. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time, Joe. It's been an absolute pleasure. But before Mm. I let you go, if anybody's listened to this and think you are as amazing as I do, can you please tell people where they can find you on socials, your website, and how they can work with you? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm just mad and sad club everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I mean two places, Instagram <laughs> and my website. Um, so yeah, madandsadclub.co.uk and madandsadclub on the gram. Um, and yeah, there's like loads of stuff that I do that people could get involved in. So um, I do one-to-one mentoring. I have various kind of like group programs, which aren't open at the moment, but will be later this year. And like various courses and things coming up too. So, oh, and if you want to like find out about that stuff, then you can sign up to my email thing which is called the finger wag because I like wag my finger and give people like honest advice (laughs) when I popped onto your website to do a bit of bit of background digging (laughs) I got a pop-up like get the finger wag and there's just a picture of you wagging your finger (laughs) brilliant absolutely brilliant I only realized how often I do that recently and then I had (laughs) some photos taken with an amazing photographer called Ellie Lorian and like in loads of the photos I'm wagging my so I changed my newsletter to be called the finger wag and it feels great (laughs) bloody brilliant love it thank you you so much joe it's been a pleasure thanks pal and you thanks have a lovely rest of your day bye